Hello, folks. How the hell are ya? My name's Kaylin. And I'm Houston, and you're listening to Crime or Reason. Happy Saturday, everybody. Woo-hoo! We love Saturdays. Saturday's great, specifically this one, because you were getting a combined episode between me and Kaylin. We both got stuff for you today. The both of us. The both of us. The two of us. But it's still probably not going to be super long, because we just got one story each. Yep. So, you excited to tell the kids some spooky stories today? I'm excited to tell the kids some spooky, scary stories. Uh, So today we are actually telling stories with a common theme. And what is that theme, Kaylin? The theme is haunted hotels. We are so excited. Let's go. We're about to get our American Horror Story on. (laughs) Maybe not that haunted. Uh, Yeah. Like the first season, maybe. Right, right. (laughs) A lot of people are probably going to attack me for this. American Horror Story Hotel is my least favorite season. What's your favorite season? <laughs> a lot of people are going to attack me for this one, too. My favorite's Roanoke. What? I love Roanoke. I've heard that's people's least favorite. Most people. That see? one in, that one in Colt and Roanoke and Colt are like my place one and two. They're... Yeah, see, I'm like Coven and then, mm, I guess Coven and, and Colt. Right. Both of them. Well, see, some, my favorites. I, I liked Coven um, or, or Coven a lot. Like, it was... Mm-hmm. One of my favorites, actually, it was the first full season I ever actually watched because I tried getting into um, Murder House Murder like House. years ago and I thought it sucked and I couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. Then when I started like six, seven years later, I ended up going straight to Coven and watching that one and then was able to go back and appreciate Murder House. See, Murder so. House would be my third favorite, probably. My third favorite is also questionable. <laughs> My third favorite is 1984. Yeah. What? Yeah. So mm. my my top threes would be sitting at number one is Roanoke, number two is Colt, and then number three is 1984. Well, that's uh, arguable, but... <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people will argue that one. So anyway, sorry, we jumped on a an AHS tangent. Sad note. So, um, but yeah, we are going to be talking about scary hotels... So, Caitlin, do you want to start us off with our spooky hotels? I'll start you off with my spooky hotel. All right, where are we going? The Island Hotel and Restaurant in Cedar Key, Florida. All right, so the island is actually a very little hotel. It only has 10 rooms, and they all take a step back in time. They have no TVs, no telephones, and in true haunted fashion, they have, like, rocking chairs in the upstairs lobby and a double swing out on their balcony. So I think with my older age, stuff like that is starting to sound more and more appealing, where I get to have less and less technology with me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm getting more into. At this point, you can throw me in a cabin in the woods with zero running water and zero electricity, and I'd be like, slap my ass and call me Susan, let's go. At Cabin in the Woods, uh, (laughs) the movie, so you're joining in on that. Yeah, let's go, let's go. (laughs) Now, the Island Hotel was built between 1859 and 1860. Cedar Key actually occupied a critical location during the Civil War, where blockade runners had exported cotton and lumber, and they imported food and other supplies to the Confederacy. However, they also had a little issue called a hurricane, 
but completely destroyed the town in 1896. Which this is in Florida. Mm-hmm. So yep, hurricanes on, are a plenty. Like right on the coast of Florida, yeah. So the hotel was actually used as office quarters and as a warehouse. So there was multiple things that were happening there during the Civil War. Just before the end of the Civil War, the Confederacy retook the town and the officers of the army were billeted in the hotel, which means that they boarded in the hotel. So it was originally a general store that actually ended up closing during the war. Obviously, like I said, they started to board people there. On a little side note, in 1867, the great botanist, naturalist, and conservationist John Muir completed his 1,000-mile walk from Louisville, Kentucky to Cedar Key. He ended up contracting malaria, and he remained in Cedar Key for several weeks while recovering from the illness. Muir's journal contains accounts of life in Cedar Key, including a description of a general store, perhaps Parson and Hales, which is the general store that was located here. Hotel staff and local patrons insist that the hotel is really haunted. I love a haunted hotel. It's said that there are at least 13 bona fide spirits occupying this old hotel. Great number. A little spooky number. First of these 13 ghosts that occupies the hotel is a small African-American boy. He's around nine years old, and he passed away right before the end of the Civil War. Now, the way that the story goes, this boy was hired by the manager of the general store and the post office to sweep up and help around the property. Apparently, the manager spotted this little boy putting something in his pocket and thinking he had witnessed the boy stealing something, he chased him out the back door. The boy was never seen or heard from again. About a year later, while cleaning out the basement water cistern, the workers discovered the skeletal remains of a child. It's said that the boy climbed into the cistern to hide from the manager where he drowned. The basement is accessible through a trap door in the very back of the hotel. It's very dark, and some would say it's as dark as the inside of a black cat which is super eerie. That's a weird way to describe that one. I agree. Now, the basement has uneven floors and low beam supports, and it's said that the ghost of that scared little boy hides out down there. The next ghost we'll talk about is a Southern Army private soldier who stands guard on the second floor. Now, no one seems to know the reason or the whole story, but sightings of this apparition outnumber all of the others. It seems that every morning, just as the sun begins to rise, guests can see a soldier in a Southern Army uniform standing guard at attention just inside the doors leading to the balcony. The vision only lasts a few seconds, but has been seen by dozens of guests over the years. The next ghost is the ghost of Simon Feinberg. The story of Simon Feinberg, he, according to folklore, was poisoned by the hotel manager. It's said that he's a wandering ghost who walks around the hotel, especially at night, appearing briefly to startled guests and staff. He, too, seems to be a harmless ghost, as long as your name isn't Markham, who is the manager who poisoned him. So if your name's Markham, maybe steer clear. Probably steer clear. This ghost is unnamed, but it's they call it the ghost who visits guests staying in rooms 27 and 28. What a name. <laughs> they could have just called him, like, Phil. You're going to like this one. It's okay. a woman. I love it. All right, let's go. Could have called her Fiona. <laughs> this spirit is said to be that of a murdered prostitute, an undocumented event that occurred during Prohibition times when the hotel was a speakeasy and a brothel. This shy ghost is 
quite friendly. She simply sits on the bed in the middle of the night and she kisses guests on the cheek. Then she disappears in a smoky haze. So I added a story in here of one of the guests who stayed in one of these rooms. He said, after a romantic dinner, my wife and I spent time lounging in our room and eventually we fell asleep. He said, I had a couple of scotches with dinner and was admittedly inebriated when we finally went to bed. And he said, anyway, I woke up in the middle of the night, still slightly intoxicated. And I felt my wife wrap her arms around me. She started kissing my cheek and my neck very affectionately. And I murmured in approval and wrapped my arms around her when I suddenly hear my wife yell out my name and turn on a light. My arms were still up and yet she was all the way across the room with her hand on the lamp. How did you get over there so fast when I was just touching you? He asked. You weren't touching me, his wife whispered, looking frightened. Of course I was. You started kissing my face. But my wife just looked at me and slowly shook her head. She had fallen asleep in a chair and had remained there until she heard me murmur in the middle of the night. That's when she called my name and turned on the light. He said, I told her what I thought had happened and she looked incredibly creeped out the rest of the night. The next morning, she insisted on finding a different hotel to stay at. While she spoke with the concierge, he said he stood looking out at the water, and that's when he saw the apparition of a woman standing on the beach not 20 feet away. He said, I don't know how I could tell it was my late night visitor, but it was, and she disappeared within a few minutes. And that vacation to Cedar Key is one I will never be able to forget. I don't think that I'd be able to forget that either. Never. I would love it, though. I love staying at haunted places. Yes. It'd be so cool to stay in there, I think. Let's go. Let's go. Last ghost I'm really going to talk about and get into is Bessie Gibbs. When Bessie and her loyal Gibby Gibbs arrived in Cedar Key in 1946, they found an ancient, dirty, and dilapidated building. Rumors were that it was being used as a whorehouse. The best little whorehouse. (laughs) In Florida? Florida. Yeah. Bessie was reluctant to even stay and spent the night in a straight-backed chair, refusing to sleep on a dirty mattress. However, the friendliness of the people and the charm of the possibilities of the hotel soon won her over. Now, this is a little backstory on Bessie, because like I said, she kind of hangs out in the hotel. She's been there for a long time. In the early 1970s, painful arthritis and a spinal disease began to take their toll on Bessie's health. Her disabilities forced her into a wheelchair. Her health failed to improve despite medical treatment. Bessie continued to live in Cedar Key, however she died in a house fire in 1975. Bessie was cremated and, in keeping with her wishes, her ashes were taken to sea by her family and friends and spread upon the waters of the gulf she had so dearly loved. A plaque honoring Bessie's memory is in the garden adjacent to the Historical Society building, and a memorial marker was placed at the entrance to the Cedar Key Cemetery. Now, she lived at the hotel for over 26 years. She said to move around the hotel, rearranging furniture, pictures, and closing doors. And it seems her favorite trick is to lock guests out of their room as they step out for a moment. Guests have also seen a ghostly apparition walk through their room and through the walls in the middle of the night. They always describe a spirit resembling Bessie Gibbs. She sounds like a fun time. Mm Mm-hmm. Bessie was a character in life, ever full of stories, jokes, and playfulness, and her ghostly apparition continues just the way she was. A seance was once held in the hotel, and the idea was to conjure up the spirit of Bessie. The results, though unscientific, concluded that Bessie's upstairs sleeping room, guest room 29, is definitely haunted, but that Bessie is not alone. Psychic investigation concludes that there are as many as 13 ghosts again. 
13 ghosts in the hotel. But Still a great number. Bessie's ghost is the most dominant. A couple of those 13 ghosts I'm going to kind of briefly go through. So there's two Native American Indians, a fisherman, and an unidentified tall, thin man. One investigator claims that Bessie's room is probably a portal to another dimension. He believes that the front of the hotel is another location with strong paranormal activity, and guests have seen, like, lights flicker, doors open and close without a known cause, and there's always, like, cold spots and breezes and drafts without reason, and some also report the pervasive feeling of being watched or followed. So you've got a little little ghostly activity, maybe not the scariest ghostly activity, just still haunted some haunted spooky spots i mean if somebody walks through my wall or locks me out or i just see an apparition like i'm gonna be a little spooked i'd probably have a bit of a little, little panic attack which is know. fine mm-hmm. i like that one let's go let's go it's so cute too it's so cute oh do you have photos i'll show you photos oh my god it is so cute look at that main lobby let's go yeah. we have to Look it definitely looks like a haunted hotel mm-hmm. in Florida. All right. Are you ready for my hotel? I don't think I'm ready. For this jelly. <laughs> we are going with the hotel that if you know hotels, you know this one. She is not a secretive hotel. She is very infamous. Ooh. We are going to be talking about the Cecil or the Hotel Cecil. <gasps> I or love the Cecil. Now it's rebranded and it's stay on Maine. Yes. So, yes. and it's under construction right now, and they're completely redoing everything inside. That's a terrible idea. It's going to really kick shit up. Mm-hmm. But they will be opening up in a couple of years, so. Yee. So, we're going to start with just some fun facts, and then we're going to talk about all the creepy shit that happens. All right. The Cecil was built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops. When it opened, in its first five years that it was open, the United States went into what we know as the Great Depression. The Great Depression, yeah. The hotel was like a luxury destination, so mm-hmm. it was like really fashionable throughout the 40s. The area around it ended up becoming known as Skid Row because of how high the homeless population got. It's actually said that about 10,000 homeless people live within like a four to five mile radius Whoa. of the hotel. Yeah, It's a huge problem there. So we're going to talk about some of the word connections, and then we'll talk about some of the deaths, and then we'll talk about the one that everybody always expects you to talk about when you discuss the Cecil, which will be the Alyssa Lamb case. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth Short, who is more known as the Black Dahlia, was rumored to have been in the Cecil a few days before she had died. They said that she had been seen drinking at the bar, and a lot of people even speculate that maybe that's where she had met her killer. This is also a rumor, so we can't know for sure if she was there. Based on fact. In the 1980s, the serial killer Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, who spent a lot of his presence in Skid Row of Los Angeles, frequented the Hotel Cecil often. Right. And some people say that he might have even engaged in some of his crimes at that hotel. At the hotel? But that's not proven. Oh my goodness. Another serial killer, an Austrian named Jack Unterweger, also stayed at the Cecil in 1992. And he was actually there to copy Richard Ramirez. 
to become a serial killer and he ended up killing at least three prostitutes strangled strangled them and killed them and then he was convicted in austria so those are some of the weird connections we're going to talk about the deaths and from my research it looks like there were 18 deaths oh wow raging as early as 1927 now i'm not going to go into details about all of these but some of these i will go into detail so just a couple so the first one i will January 22nd, 1927, Piercy Ormond Cook, who was 52, committed suicide. He ended up shooting himself in the head after failing to reconcile with his family and his wife. There's a lot in here, too. There's people who, like, slit their own throats and (gasps) people who shot themselves. And a lot of people ingested poison. That's actually one. Like, you can see that, like, poison was a thing that happened a lot. We had a death by poison ingestion in May 1939. But that one was classified as a death and not a suicide. In 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell was accused of killing her unnamed newborn son. She had thrown her newborn out the window and then was later acquitted for the murder due to insanity. These are all so sad. It's crazy. On October 12th, 1962, which October 12th is my birthday, there was a double death. One was suicide. Pauline Otten jumped off of the building, Mm -hmm. landed on George Giannini, and killed him on the impact. So she struck a pedestrian and killed him, yeah. What a happenstance situation. Yeah. And he was like 65, she was 27. On June 4th, 1964, Pigeon Godi Osgood was stabbed, beaten, and raped. Hours after she was murdered, a man was seen walking through the square in blood-stained clothing. He was arrested and charged with the murder, but then was later cleared for the crime. The murder still remains unsolved. February 19th, 2013, Alyssa Lamb had died, and we will go over that story here shortly because that's the one that the hotel's infamous for. June 13th, 2015, there was a death that isn't completely clear what happened, but we do know that it was a 28-year-old, and they were suspected to have fallen off the building. So we've got deaths from, like, what, 19... 1920s all the way up into 2015. Yes, and it's 18 total, which is... We don't know if that's a lot, but that sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot to me. So we are going to talk about Alyssa Lamb. This story freaks me out yeah it's wild so essentially what ended up happening is Alyssa Land was traveling in the United States she was from Canada Mm -hmm. and she ended up staying in the Hotel Cecil and while she was staying there at one point she started acting crazy and very sporadic and just real nonsensical There's video evidence of her acting this way in the hotel elevator. Mm -hmm. And if you watch it, it is crazy because she's like pressing all the buttons. The doors aren't closing, which is really weird. And she's like peeking out and like looking. It looks like she goes out for a second. You just see her shoulder and it looks like she's conversating with somebody. Then she comes back in and like squats in the corner. It's incredibly weird. Incredibly crazy. Shortly after she disappeared... Patrons of the hotel started complaining that the water was turning gray Mm -hmm. and that it tasted weird. And so they ended up going to look at the water supply and they found Alyssa Lamb's body in the hotel roof cistern. So we've got lots of cisterns tonight. There are plenty of cisterns. Now, it doesn't really make sense as to how she got into the cistern because of how deep she would have been in the cistern. 
she couldn't have really done anything with the lid. Mm -hmm. Some people speculate that the lid was kind of maybe not too heavy, but by looking at it, it looks like it could be. But also where she would have been, she wouldn't have had a grip to like put it up there. Right. The entire story of Elisa Liam is insane. Right. And that's all I'm going to touch on that because we might go through this later because there are really weird coincidences that happened with that. Really intense theories about it. But as of right now, we do know that she had bipolar disorder and maybe that's why she was acting so erratically. Yeah, she may have been like manic. But we still don't know. Right. Nobody knows. So that is the history and quite frankly creepiness of the Hotel Cecil or the Cecil Hotel or now the Stay on Main. So we've got... 18 at least yes and it's just a lot and actually because there were so many suicides long-term residents of the hotel started calling the place the suicide wow was the the suicide hotel i didn't know that yeah so it's wild so maybe not that's one of the haunted hotels i probably won't go to because still a lot of crazy shit happens there i do not ever want to go to the cecil hotel i can not imagine all the things that i would sense there correct so we would really like to do more of these scary places episodes mm-hmm. with like a common theme. So like this one was hotels. We'll do another scary places and maybe do a different theme sometime soon. So mm-hmm. if you would like to hear us talk more shared episodes with spooky places or scary places, let us know. So Kaylin, where can these beautiful people find us? You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, on YouTube. We are on lots of stuff. And we are at all of those places at Crime or Reason. Nothing else, just Crime or Reason. You can also send us emails, suggestions, stories, whatever you'd like to Crime or Reason at gmail.com. So we hope to hear from you. And we hope that you stay safe. Stay healthy. And we hope that you stay criminal. criminal. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.